All right. We got here John Baranowski, a senior loan officer with East Coast Capital Mortgage. Hopefully I didn't botch that. And a good friend of ours as well, a member of the Consistency Wins community. Thanks so much for coming on, John. It's my pleasure. I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. It's been been getting excited to meet with you guys. Same here, man. We saw this one on the calendar, and you've been a big, you know, big prevalent part of our community, and we want to thank you for that. It's been you've been a leader in that in that group, so thank you for that. But tell us a little bit more about your story. We want to learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I would say I'm a salesman through and through. I started in sales back in 1996 after I had gotten out of the Air Force in 1994. I had I had kind of floundered a little bit. I was living in Okinawa, Japan after I got out of the Air Force and just working some construction, things like that. And then I then I moved back home and my mother actually had worked at a mortgage company for several years and she was a VP there. And I got into a mortgage training program, which was really cool. So I learned everything from the ground up, started with processing and then learned title and just learned everything and anything there is to do with mortgages. And, you know, the story is off to the running from there. I was in working with several different mortgage companies all the way through the collapse of the mortgage industry in 2008. So after that happened, I went into a couple of different other ventures. I sold candy machines. I sold home improvements, debt settlement, and then eventually got back into the mortgage business when things started to settle down again. And I've loved working in the mortgage business all the way through. Because of all the help that I can do for, for a lot of folks, whether it be for debt consolidation or just seeing somebody's face that when they, when they finally sign on the dotted line for their first home and they are able to get the keys to that home and, and move in and start a life. Yeah. And this is something I want to go deep into because we've had some mortgage guys on, but I've never had someone that's went through 2008 and also stayed in the business as well. So talk to us about that time, you know, before. The crash happened, what that looked like, what the business looked like, and then right after how your business had almost gone away in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So so before that, you know, the business slowly got busier and busier as I learned how to get better and better at what I was doing and working for different banks. There was there was a ton of loans being done. And and the one thing I will definitely say that I can be proud of is that I never wrote a loan that I wasn't wasn't proud of for that matter. There was a lot of debt consolidation being done in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. People were racking up credit card debt. I used to get a lot of folks that would come back to me year after year. They would pay off $50,000 in credit card debt, lower their monthly payments by five, six, $700 a month. And then a year and a half later, they'd come back and, and be in the same position. And because the equity was climbing so quickly and home values were appreciating like they have been as of late again, they were able to take advantage of this equity, not just from the perspective of the the equity, but they were able to finance a lot more. The lending guidelines had gotten looser and looser, and that's that's where the crash kind of happened. Is it, 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 they were promising that these loans were A paper, triple A paper, and they were really were like B C paper, and people didn't have a vested interest in a home when they bought it. They were financing it at a hundred, hundred and ten percent. So. It's easy to walk away from that. These days, now you asked what, what's different from then to now. The difference is that the average home across America has 16% equity in it. So if you just think about wow. the average home being, you know, the, the median price of a home across America, high to low, is probably somewhere around 400000 If you talk about 16% equity, 
you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about forty, sixty, seventy-five, seventy thousand dollars. Nobody's walking away from that. So they 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 make it a point to try and make those payments or work it out with the bank however they can. But it was it was crazy before the crash. It was like the wild wild west. People were doing loans that just they knew that they the, the folks that they were giving these loans to couldn't afford them, and they really didn't care. If if you look back at that time, just before that, the the, the movie Boiler Room. That's what places were like in the mortgage business. And, and that's what I used to hate about the mortgage business at the time is that they gave us such a bad name. But they came back, they strengthened up the guidelines, and now people know that it's not going to happen like that again. So I wanted to ask you about just interest rates in general because I think, I think your casual investor or casual just American right now looks at rising interest rates and is kind of like, hey, I'll just wait for interest rates to go back down. And I think that there's a little bit of a lack of perspective on where interest rates really have been versus what we've experienced in the last, call it five, six years, maybe 10 years even of, of a lower interest rate environment. I guess just maybe give a timeline for us on just what you've seen interest rates do over time and where they are today and, and how that impacts or if it does at all, you know, the, the market right now. Sure. So from when I started in 96, rates, rates were in like the sevens and the eights. Okay. Granted, you weren't, you weren't, if, if, and I did a lot of business in, in New York. I did a lot of business in Queens and Brooklyn. And a lot of those homes now are a multi-million dollar homes where they were three to $500,000, two to three family homes. So the values were a lot lower. So the rates were relative, but the, but the income was relative to that as well. Right. So. The, the thing is that rates were, say, in the sevens and eights from the, the late nineties all the way into the early two thousands. The lowest that I saw the rates go right before the crash were still in the fives. You were still doing loans and, and everything was adjustable rate mortgages. They used to do a lot of adjustable one year, two year arms to get those people to come back and refinance again a year later to again, consolidate debt or just to, to either fix the rate or lower the rate. The, those days of of that type of stuff is is gone because we had such low rates to to kind of curb what was going on with the economy they were the the government was buying tons of treasuries so that was lowering the interest rates now what we're seeing is with the rates rising there's only so much that the rates can rise and and this is my experience from 27 years in the business that the the rates can only go so high in mortgage business because now it becomes unaffordable. And when it becomes unaffordable, the mortgage business screeches to a halt. It's still moving. People say that, oh, rates, 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 but it's still moving. But the rates are slowing down the the economy. And the government, my understanding is that the government can't afford that because the mortgage business really drives a lot of the economy. Oh, that's great. That's great. What have you have you seen the psychology of of a home buyer or an investor shift at all over this last year or two? Over the last year to nine months to a year, absolutely. People are people are nervous about the rates. The the good news is that even though rates are up in the you know depending on the day, anywhere from like mid sixes to mid sevens, right? We offer a program right now. It's a fixed rate product, but we get the and we get the sellers to pay for it is a, what they call a two one buy down. So what they're doing is they're taking the, say the interest rate is 7% today. And then we're going to, for the first year, it's going to be the payment that they're making is f based on a 5% interest rate. 
So the difference of payment between that 5% and that 7% is going to be set aside. And each month it gets siphoned off in like a quote unquote escrow account. And the same thing with the second year. So now that 7% would be a 6% rate, saving the home buyer thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars over the first two years with the hopes that in the next 12 to 18 months that interest rates are going to come down. We do a low to no cost refinance and now you got a fixed rate. Talk to us a little bit more about some of the the creative side of the financing because we work with a lot of business owners and a lot of people have this misconception that paying zero dollars in taxes is a great thing, right? Obviously, like the, the lowest you could pay in taxes, it's, it's sometimes it's a better thing, but that does hinder your ability to get loans. How has your experience been with business owners? How have you had to get creative in that space for people that are looking to buy homes? That, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked me that, Antonio, because there, there's two groups of people that I really love to work with. One is business owners because I'm an entrepreneur myself. My wife is an entrepreneur. And then the other group is is veterans. But I'll talk to you about the, the business owners, right? I I think that people should take advantage of every tax break they possibly can. It's amazing to to do that. The problem comes is that when you write off all your deductions and your net income, let's say just for argument's sake, round numbers, you're bringing in a hundred thousand and you show thirty thousand at the end of the year. That's not enough money to qualify for a conventional loan. However, I have several products that are out of the box lending where we can take your business bank statements and just look at the deposits and use that as, as revenue income. Then we can look at your, depending on if you're, if you're buying a, a home for your primary residence or if you're buying for investment. For investment purposes, we have loans called a DSCR loan. That's a debt service coverage loan. And what that means is that as long as the, the payment, the principal interest taxes and insurance is covered by the potential or the, the rent that's going to be on that property, then there's no income requirement whatsoever. So you can buy an investment property, no problem, up to 80% loan to value, sometimes 85. Okay. Those are, those are what we call non QM loans. Love it. Business owners, listen up, hit up John if you have a, any interest in that stuff. So now we talked about John, the loan officer, but I want to talk about John, the entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit more about your other ventures. Tell us about what your vision is and what you're looking to do over the next 10, 20 years. So because of my history and my experience with sales, what I've always loved to do is to help up and coming salespeople. My goal over this next three to five years is to build a sales coaching business. In our consistency wins group, we've talked about really going for the brass ring and there's no reason not to go for anything that you want, especially having a group like ours that is super successful in supporting everybody. There's so many resources and I just, what it, what it, what excites me is when I can take somebody who is new to sales and give them the experience that I have without, listen, you need to go over hurdles to get over them so that you, you can, you need to stumble over those hurdles so you can understand the experience. But if I can give you ideas of how to avoid some of those pitfalls, then it, it makes you a stronger salesperson right from the get go. So as an entrepreneur, my goal over this next three to five years is to build this coaching business and take it to a whole nother level that, that nobody's seen in the mortgage business before. So is that, would that be specific to the mortgage industry or would that be sales coaching in general? I think, I think for me, it would be better to do it in the mortgage business because I can speak the language to the mortgage business yeah. better than anything else. 
What what do you see young young folks in your space that just get into your industry? What are the initial mistakes? Where what are, where are they missing it to start? Right? Like guy comes in, guy gal comes in first couple months in the business. What are the common things you see them do wrong that if they made those quick little adjustments could change the trajectory of their business? The the biggest thing for the mortgage business is to learn the guidelines, is to study the guidelines. They should be asking questions every single day. You know, just to take it back for a second, I told you I lived in Okinawa, Japan, and I was married to a Japanese woman at the time. And and what I what I would do every day, I didn't know Japanese, but I worked for a Japanese construction company. And every day I would come home and ask her five or six words that I heard. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And within a year, I knew how to speak fluent Japanese. Same thing with guidelines. If you can ask me questions every day or every week, what is this? What is this? I'm going to direct you to find them. Though, because if you find them yourself, then they, you're going to retain it a lot more. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, and Tony, I'll let you jump in. It looks like you want to say something too. That's that's our advice to to our team when when we have some guys coming in, guys or gals coming in trying to learn our business. You have to show that energy of that proactiveness to learn and grow. You have to you have to constantly be asking those questions, why, and be eager and excited to, to, to learn as much as possible so that you can drive as much value on your own, you know? Yeah. I feel like that, that's the one thing that it's tough to coach on, right? The ambition, you need to have that level of ambition and coachability first, and then you can go to a coach or a mentor. Like we can't just like, it's the same concept of like leading a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. Right. So like if you're hungry and ambitious, then yeah. But then there's also the dichotomy of, I feel like you have to pay your dues a little bit when you first get into the business, right? You have to stumble. And then as you continue to stumble, which is inevitable, then seeking out coaching and mentorship, there's no shortcut in this thing. So you do have to pay your dues in some type of way before you get, uh, you know, before you hop into coaching or else things just aren't going to translate well, right? If you're just going to a coach and just asking them questions in theory, but not actually putting things in practice, nothing's going to make sense at all. So, so where do you see people making the most mistakes in sales, John? I think that that they don't get, one I think that most salespeople are just a hair away from being successful because they they give up too quickly. I think that people give up too quickly and they don't let trust the process that has been proven over and over again. And because of that, they they wind up quitting and they're quitting just a minute before they're ready to be successful and they're going to the, everything's going to break. Believe me, I I'm I'm the I live by that myself. There's many a days when I'm like, what am I doing here <laughs> that I, I, I get tired and I'm like, it's one more day, one more day. Just You just have to keep pushing until you get there and just know that it's going to work. You have to yeah, have Ed Milet, Ed Milet says it best, right? He's like, you know, every day I want to quit. I feel the same way all the time, but just I'm just not going to quit today, right? Just one more day, I'm not going to quit. And then the next day, those one more days continue to compound. And then as you were saying as well, Alex Hermosi talks about this a lot, is that this game is an infinite game. So it's not meant for you to win. The whole point of winning is just to play the game. So not trying to see everything as like this finite thing where you're just trying to win in this transactional way, which I personally struggle with a lot, but actually being in the arena and actually partaking in the game is the success itself. And most people don't see that because they're not immediately making money, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and listen, it's, it's, it's more of the journey than it is the destination. Okay. I'll give you a perfect example of that from, from a different perspective. I trained for Ironman, which I, I don't know if everybody's familiar with that, but it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike. 
and then a marathon all in the same day under 17 hours. And I did that four or five times over the last 15 years. And I had a coach and he used to tell me, don't worry about the finish line. Don't worry about the finish line. The finish line, it, it's anticlimactic for that matter. Once you get to the finish line, what you need to embrace is the journey and all the struggles that you go through. That's where you're going to start to see the wins is when you have a struggle. And then the next time you come up with that same struggle, you overcome that hurdle. And then you're like, wow, I really did learn something. I really am growing from the, the experience that I'm having. Well said. And we talk about that a lot in the Consistency Wins group as well. And I know you're you're a big part of that community. You talk about that concept of quite, amount, quite a good amount. But I would love to know your experience with the group. Unbiased, I know Landon and I are here, but would love to know your unbiased feedback on how that group has been in fact impactful to your life and why others should consider potentially being a part of it. I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, and this is no no like fluff or anything, I was so impressed with you guys from, from the beginning that I, I couldn't believe what, what it gave me is a renewed sense of faith that no offense, but you guys have a crappy generation. They were handed a lot of things and, <laughs> and it's my fault because I'm, I'm old enough to be both of you guys father. I look at it that we gave too much to our kids. The Gen X's gave too much to their kids and now everybody's looking for a handout. But you guys totally impressed me and everybody in that group, you guys surround yourself with like-minded people that it gave me a renewed sense of faith that I'm going to be okay when it's time to retire because the country will be in good shape if we have more people like you guys. And, and again, that's, that's no not blowing smoke. That's truth. And, and, and that's why I keep coming back because there's always great information in the group that you guys have. That means, that means more than you know, brother. It really does. And, and, and Tony and I constantly talk about just the environment of our culture right now. And especially in our demographic and our age group, it's, it's a lot of folks that want to take without giving. It's a lot of people that they don't, they, they just haven't had to struggle. And haven't hadn't haven't been put through enough discomfort to see the value of of struggle and pain and and the, the value you get from it on the other side of all of it, and so the the community as as I'm hopefully hopefully you've seen is just a, is a, is designed to hopefully grow over time and scale with folks that are are like minded that are trying to move the ball forward every day that life happens for them not to them they're not victims in life you know and they're and they're willing to go out there and grab what's theirs and and impact the world in a positive way that's the that's our thought process you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe wholly that there, there's two philosophies that I follow in life is, is one is that without struggle, there is no growth. And, and the other one is that if you want to get out of life, it's from Zig Ziglar. If you want to get out of life, what you want, you have to help as many other people get what they need. And that, and that's what, if you follow those two rules, the, the, the sky is the limit. The sky is absolutely the limit. Yeah. Something we always like to ask our guests on here, it, it's a little cliche, but we enjoy doing it. This is all obviously called the Consistency Wins Podcast, right? The group is called Consistency Wins. What does consistency mean to you and how does that show up in your life? Con consistency to me is putting in the reps, okay? It's doing the things that you, when you wake up in the morning, I, I don't want to get up and go to the gym. I want to sleep in, but I know that if I don't, the rest of my day is shot. Getting done with the gym, getting to my desk and starting to work by 8.30, 9 o'clock. If I don't get there by then, I know the rest of the day is shot. Putting in the things that, that matter and then the rest will fall into place. That's what consistency means to me. I love that. I love that. It's, it's constantly being congruent 
to who you say you are and showing up to that person every single day. And that over time, that provides your subconscious evidence that you actually are that person. So that that's why I always speak in this sense where, and Landon always gives me shit because I'm very like demonstrative when I talk. I'm very, I, I say, this is it. And, th- and I'm so certain when I talk, even though I might like there, it's, I might be talking about an uncertain thing. But what I'm doing is I'm manifesting that, right? I'm embodying who that person is already so that over time I actually just become that person. And so that's what people don't understand is consistency isn't just, you know, doing things once or twice and you, things are just going to magically happen. It's an everyday battle. No matter what, if you don't want to do it, you got to do it regardless. And so I appreciate that perspective, John. You've been consistent in our group for sure. Well, and, and, and I appreciate the consistency that you guys offer. I'm overly impressed with, with the group that you have and, and you two, especially uh, I've had one-on-one conversations with both of you and, and, and I couldn't, couldn't be more excited to see what, what the future brings with, with, you know, working with you guys. We appreciate you, brother. And so with that, what does the future hold for you? Well, like I said, the future for me right now is seeing what the next couple of steps are going to be with the government, with interest rates in the mortgage business. I'm hoping that, you know, the, the talk is that if the Fed raises rates one more time, then they're going to have no choice but to drop the rates afterwards. Otherwise, we're going to be in full-blown recession. So we'll see. That all That's all going to be just cyclical stuff, and, and you got to just get through it. But the future for me is really to grow and build this coaching business to help more guys that are on the up and coming to take them under my wing and, and really explain to them and, and show them how they could be successful in the mortgage business. That's what I'm looking forward to. Awesome, John. Well, how can our listeners connect with you? How can they connect you with you for the sales coaching side of things? How can they connect with you for potential business on the mortgage side? What's the best way to get in touch with you and, and follow your journey? Um, sure. I mean, a phone call or a text is the easiest way. It's my number is 516-287-8355. Or I could always be reached at john at tailwoodsolutions.com. That's my uh, personal business email. And I can always be reached there and have a conversation with anybody about anything, whether it, you know, it doesn't have to be in the mortgage business. It could be just in sales, talk sales all day long. I love to talk sales. Awesome, man. Well, well, John, we appreciate you, brother. Really glad we can make this happen. Looking forward to our listeners hearing it too. Absolutely. I am too. Thanks, guys.